this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Templo Talk, a Mayans MC podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Mike D'Angelo. And this is the podcast where we talk about everything Mayans, which is now officially just over halfway through its fifth and final season on FX. So, okay, Mike, are you ready to go for a drive? Heck yeah. Yeah. Just don't kill me. <laughs> for this episode, we're covering the latest installment of Mayan Season 5, which is entitled, and this is a long one, My Eyes Filled and Then Closed on the Last Childhood Tears, uh, which tells you everything you need to know about this episode, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, real, this is real laugh fest. This is the sixth episode of the season. And as mentioned, it's a bit of a breather uh, right before the shit is about to hit the fan. So like always, we're going to start with the breakdown of the new episode, and then we're going to discuss what happened, our reactions to it. And then after our discussion, I have a new interview to share. Uh, this time, I had the pleasure of speaking to Carla Barada, who plays Adelita on the show. Oh, yeah. Nice. And uh, I have to say, this might be my favorite interview for the season so far, because we really got to go deep into Adelita, who I think is a fascinating character, um, and and really get kind of down to, to why... Carla thinks that uh, Adelita is so multi-layered and, and interesting. Um, and plus, she has, I think, one of the best journeys so far uh, on the series from where she started to where she is now. Um, and we also talk about, well, Carla talks about how her experiences growing up in Venezuela have inspired how she approached Adelita. And uh, just in general, she was just uh, a lot of fun to speak with. Very cool. Yeah. But before we get to our discussion of the latest episode, I got to tell you that Templo Talk is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, Deep Focus, The Discourse, Bingeworthy, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Okay, Mike. So uh, as I mentioned, this is a bit of a breather episode. What this is, for, for everybody who's seen it, they know, this is an episode where we kind of pause from the club activities, per se and kind of get deep into each character and kind of where they are, which I, it seems like it's it's kind of a, a check-in episode because now we're going to have three more episodes where 
or four more episodes where the shit just really hits the fan and Siri. Yeah. And, and this is going to be, you know, our last chance to kind of, to remember where we are. So what I want to do is I want to talk about each of these little mini stories separately. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how they all tie together at the end. But basically this, this, uh, like I said, this episode follows uh, a group of Mayans and, and side characters through kind of a day in their life. And uh, we'll get to the big cliffhanger from episode five, which is the showdown between Easy and Angel, because they're kind of the, the meat of the episode. But I want to talk about the supporting characters and give them their due real quick. So let's talk about Bishop. Bishop, we, we find him. He's in bed with his lady um, and they're just in love, right? A couple of little yeah. scamps. Just the love and life. Son of a bitch in the world. Yeah. And uh, he, they have a kind of a funny exchange about getting coffee and donuts and about just basically how everything's shitty and, uh, you know, it's, it's not good food, but they're just, they're just happy. Yeah. Cut and, to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cut to, he goes to the clubhouse uh, as you do when you're part of a mo- motorcycle club. Right. It's the morning. You got to start drinking. Yeah, and and he realizes nobody's there. So what do you do? You just you just start drinking a little bit. But he's not the only one at the clubhouse. Uh, he hears music being played in the bathroom and finds that there's uh, that bartender that he had the fling with in season four. You may remember her from uh, getting him drunk and doing coke together to having mm-hmm. sex in the middle of the clubhouse and being walked in on and, and just not stopping. Uh, bad times for Bishop around this girl, but his story kind of shows that that you know, he's, he still kind of has this, like, I don't know, what would, what would you call it? Affection towards her. And we, and we find out a little bit more about her, that she's basically a musician and she likes to play sad songs. <laughs> yes. What did you, what did you think about the little digression with Bishop this week? Uh, it, it was just me going, Bishop, don't Bishop, <laughs> don't. And and thankfully, it never really went there where, you know, it, it was fairly innocent where she was, you know, talking to him about guitar and he was listening to her play music seemingly all day because they cut to them back and forth. And it's just like, man, still sitting with that girl playing guitar. OK, how many songs does she know? Doesn't seem like she's very good at this, but hey, all right, let's just go with this. Oh, you want to learn guitar? Oh, you're not good at fingering. Ha ha ha. Oh, um, yes. There's the fingering joke. <laughs> the um... fingering joke. <laughs> I, I do. I did. I did find that fun. But yeah, it, to me, it was just kind of, I think, showing a bit of the growth with Bishop that, you know, not everything has to be him going from woman to woman. And even though he's yeah. presented with this woman who was kind of the the temptation of last year, he still seemingly keeps it in his pants, um, <laughs> which which until the, the opening of the next episode, <sighs> where they're in bed together. You know? Yeah, let's let's hope not. That would that would really be a bummer. But who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that happens with Bishop and, and his story is kind of pretty cut and dry. Let's, let's talk about Emily because last we saw her, she had a failed escape attempt and, uh, it genuinely feels like her life is shit and she doesn't know what to do. Uh, she feels trapped. So we open with her in bed and the bodyguard security guy comes in and says, you know, Hey, can you get up? And she's like, fuck you. I don't want to. And... (laughs) And he's like, okay, we got to figure this out. So what does he do? He takes her uh, to start shooting, which if anybody has shot a gun, you know, it's a pretty cathartic experience or it can be. Um, (laughs) Unless you got somebody. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying you shoot people, but I'm saying even at the range, it can be a cathartic experience. Um, 
and and she's just pissed at the world. And this guy who, I mean, we've seen in the episodes, but he's never really had a spotlight, the bodyguard. Uh, finally, we, we learn just why would somebody be a bodyguard for a head of a drug cartel? And uh, he seems like a nice dude, right? Yeah, I mean, for, for the guy who's probably killing people left and right, he's not so bad. Yeah, and she treats him like shit at first, but eventually... Right, she calls him a fucking errand boy. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, good. <laughs> and he basically lets her know, hey, I know you tried to escape, but, you know, I'm not going to say anything. And she's like, why wouldn't you say anything? He said, because it didn't happen. So you can you get the point, that, or you get the the idea that he... While he ultimately answers to Miguel, he's there to make sure kind of just that the family survives. Yeah, yeah. That and I, I, I don't know. Were you taking it as he was implying like he won't let you ever? Like, was that him like saying, hey, I'm going to do my job and you're going to be miserable if you try this kind of thing? Or were I, you just like not taking it that way? I, I took it as just stop because ultimately yeah. I have to do what I have to do. Right. And 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 him kind of just kind of basically begging and saying, just just don't please like mm -hmm. he it's not such a bad situation. Eventually, they go to a playground where <laughs> where uh, she tries to, to, to joke with him and it doesn't go over well because he's kind of a bodyguard guy and they have a moment uh, which I thought was very sweet. But then it's undercut by Cristobal. Uh, being a kid at a playground and kind of just goes missing for a brief second. Yeah. You um, missed the part where the, the coffee gets kicked over by some kid's soccer ball and the mom comes up and tries to like hit on him. Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, which one's yours? He's like, I'm not a dad. I'm just watching. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah. <like>, what? <laughs> yeah, that's great. so good. Yeah, it's moments like that, which which I, I love because I know that the writers are sitting in a room talking about stuff and everything is so serious about this show, but they, they find little moments where they can just put in a quick little joke and it helps kind of break the mood a bit. Absolutely. But yeah, so Cristobal goes missing. We presume it's because there's that lady. We see a brief moment of a lady like walking with him and we assume it's the lady from the grocery store. Uh, and Emily's freaking out and Cristobal's fine says, you know, this lady was trying to show him something or, or whatever. And yeah, it's just a moment to, to remind us that Emily is still not uh, in a position that's hundred percent safe, even when she has a armed bodyguard at her side. Yeah. Yeah. I and was torn that little teddy bear up too. Yeah. So it ends, her little story ends with uh, her at, in the evening time and the, the bodyguard comes to her and says, this package was left at our gate. Uh, it's uh, addressed to Cristobal and she's, you know, freaked out as she should be, opens it up, finds a teddy bear, feels like there's got to be something more to it, rips it open. There's nothing in there. Yeah. Um, so just again, showing that, you know, her life kind of sucks, but at least she's seemingly got somebody on her side, which is nice. Yeah, um, it's nice to see her have like a friend. I, I will say I've I've really turned around on Emily these past couple episodes. <laughs> They've given her a lot of really good moments to kind of build her character out, like between the mother scene, like her describing motherhood and and the cartel guy kind of hangout day that she's had. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it's it's difficult because so much of the the opening of this uh, season was her just trying to get rid of her situation however she can. Right. And when she finds out that she can't, that's when 
she's now trying to just, I don't know. I don't know if she's trying to settle in it and come to terms with it or kind of reloading and waiting for her moment still. For sure. So it wouldn't be a touching moment or a touching episode with side characters if we didn't talk about Hank. Mm -hmm. um, we now find Hank, who is, uh, we, we're seeing him at his his mom's home. He's with the realtor and he's explaining how, you know, he could do some some little uh, things to the house to maybe help it sell better. And the, the realtor is just very blunt with him and says, there's really no point. Don't waste your time. Nobody's buying in Santo Padre, which really, if you've ever tried to sell a house, is not what you want your realtor to say. But yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't bother fixing up this shithole. Yeah, you're, you're, you'll be lucky to sell it. And and it's just a moment where where we just see Hank is still, you know, as everything's falling apart in the club, he still has like these very real issues with putting his mom in a home and, uh, you know, having to sell her house and and things seem to be going meh for him until yeah, he gets his little little yeah. moment with nails. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at until later when we catch up with him at the nursing home. His mom's asleep and he's just kind of sitting there with her. And uh, and Stephanie, a.k.a. Nails, comes in and says, you know, how's everything going? And she sees he's kind of kind of in a bad way, just like mentally just, you know, struggling. And she invites him to dinner. And what do they eat? Vending machine food. And it's very sweet, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a very cutesy kind of impromptu date night, right? And and I think it's it's nice that they're taking it slow. I assume that this is all leading, or hopefully leading, uh, to kind of a relationship blooming because I I really think these two are kind of if anybody's meant for each other in the show, they they seem to be meant for each other. Uh, yeah, let's see who winds up alive. That's yeah, that's the big caveat to all of this is we don't know if Hank's going to survive. So who knows what's going to happen? But at least it seems like he's getting uh, a, a moment right now. Yeah, for sure. We then uh, let's talk about Sophia, who has a, a pretty um, one of the not the heaviest, but one of the heavier moments of the, the episode where she finally uh, is like, I'm going to confront my ex who visited uh, twice to confront her. And she goes to his house and she basically says, like, you have no right to do this. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, as they have this discussion, uh, this guy's mom shows up and says, oh, Sophia, come in. <laughs> and we then see what kind of the real driving force behind this is yeah. that uh, this guy and his mom have found Jesus and are really religious and they're trying to tell Sophia that her daughter who was who uh, died at a young age is in heaven with God and they're watching over us and everything's great and Sophia's just kind of sitting there <laughs> <laughs> I was half expecting her to just like tell them off and and get the hell out of there but it seems like she kind of needs something so I kind of get where she's she at the very least she takes a picture with her and you know keeps that yeah she you, you kind of wonder because she doesn't really respond in any way to all of this stuff she just kind of is is very pleasant and cordial yeah and and leaves but it isn't until later where we get our bottle scene um and oh. yes he doesn't even say anything but it's a really great scene because clearly there's like just nobody at the club 
and she gets home and nobody's there and she needs something. She needs somebody to listen, somebody to, you know, pour her soul out to. And the only person there is bottles with his AR 15 at the gate. So she sits Talking with him. How, how, how the walk went with Sally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I love the Sally moments of this, but bottles, poor bottles, yeah. but I just want a, a side episode that they do not have time for where it's bottles and Sally's day off. And it's just, <laughs> them having like one of the craziest days ever and that like him smoking at the gate is like finally i can relax and then she unloads on him like this all this heavy shit <laughs> yeah yeah i the hijinks it would be pretty awesome yes but hijinks indeed you gotta just again we just gotta hand it to uh to the actor who plays bottles alex barone who's just he's there for everything even in moments where he's just asked to sit and listen you can you can see that bottles cares and yeah. th and that's great. So so just to give context, Sophia's sitting there and she says she's gone. Nothing can bring her back. She doesn't even give context to that. I don't I don't know if bottles knows who she's talking about, but you know she's clearly talking about her daughter. And she says uh, and she's got like tears in her eyes and she's clearly upset. And she says uh, she's dead and so am I, um, mm. which is a very ominous thing to say. Yeah. And I think it kind of points to to where Sophia is going for the rest of the season. Sophia is uh, kind of the perfect woman for easy at this moment in time. Don't you think? <laughs> in that you mean she's been kind of an enabler and, uh, you know, so tied down with her own shit that she doesn't even care to deal with his. Then yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's not just that, but now she's kind of got closure on her shit, so to speak. And her, her, position is now nothing matters i'm just living and all i've got left is is easy well yeah you could see this as the rock bottom she needed where she might be able to pick herself back up from or you know you never know maybe or she yeah really go darker the deep end yeah we will find out i'm sure <laughs> uh and then uh before we get to the two main stories i want to talk about gilly um yeah Gilly and uh, his his commanding officer, a.k.a. his friend uh, from when he was in the army. She, as you know, has been living with him. Her and his um, her and her son have been living after dealing with an abusive ex um, who the abusive ex CM Punk Paul, who is dealing with PTSD and just in a bad way. It's a whole complicated situation. But all you really need to know is Gilly is kind of thriving he enjoys having her in the house he really enjoys having the kid in the house and they have a really touching moment where she says like you know she she hints that it's his kid and then says outright that uh this boy is his uh mm -hmm. and they had some sort of uh brief affair you know years ago and he wasn't ready to settle down or she wasn't ready and you know but he he actually is the father of this child um, so what do you think about that? Big bomb drop, man. Uh, but it's it's great because Gilly, like you see him interacting with this kid and doing all the work for this kid. And you just you kind of root for that relationship because he's, you know, somehow like dad of the year among, amongst all of this crazy mind stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure like with CM Punk being or that Paul guy being all kinds of messed up, that things are going to come to a head there. I, I hope it doesn't end in tragedy, but I'm rooting for Gilly. He's uh, the man. Yeah, he is. He's a great, a great character. And I, I, it kind of recontextualizes uh, all of season four 
his story in that season and so far this season where he knew that this kid was his and it was yeah. kind of this unspoken thing where he just kind of you know he wasn't there for a long time probably because it was really difficult for him to be there as you might imagine but now that he's there he's really trying to to be good and do right uh and and there's the uncomfortable thing this kid's probably what like 9 10 11 years old like how do you even approach that like so yeah it's do you rough. think paul knows uh i i don't know i i i, I think so i yeah. think if i had to guess um i would i would say that uh, that Paul does know and and this was kind of their their kind of unwritten rule was that mm. you know everybody kind of knew and and that would lead to why Paul is really questioning why Gilly is so happy with uh, the woman there and the kid there right yeah it was almost inevitable in his mind that they would kind of end up back together and yeah. spinning out because of it I do have a funny story about this though so mm. I as we've talked about a couple times I visited the set back in April and I didn't know anything about season five. They didn't tell me anything, but because just by virtue of being there and watching them film scenes, uh, I got some stuff spoiled and I'm not going to obviously share any spoilers. But one of the things that was funny is I got to sit down and interview um, Vincent Vargas. Rocco is what they call him, who plays Gilly. And it's for episode eight. So that episode or that interview will be in a couple of weeks. But I told him, you know, hey, feel free to to talk openly about everything uh up to episode eight and and i'll explain why closer to there and he says uh he drops the bomb on me that the kid is his <laughs> you're like wait 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 <laughs> and he sees the look on my face and he goes oh i think that's a spoiler for you huh <laughs> and i go yeah yeah that's a big spoiler uh, nice. so so unfortunately i i knew this was coming i didn't know when it was coming but but I did know. Um, but yeah, I thought that was that was a funny interaction that I got on audio, which you guys will hear in a couple of weeks. Just uh, me being shocked um, <laughs> at the moment when he says that. But yeah. that's what you get for your set visit. I know. I know. OK, so uh, with with the side characters out of the way, let's talk about the kind of the meat of this episode real quick, which is easy and angels drive. So last we saw easy confronts angel or doesn't confront him. Easy is celebrated after episode five, where he uh, murders a son uh, <laughs> at the bar. And he's just looking worse for wear. But, you know, everybody's cheering him. And there's this uncomfortable moment where Easy's just staring at Angel because he finds out that Angel went behind his back to talk to Sophia about ending this war. And one of the things he says to Sophia is, I should have burned everything down and, you know, just like the drugs or, or I forget the exact quote, but he, he insinuated that he was the person who burned down the warehouse full of drugs at the end of season four. So clearly there's some tension. Yeah. And uh, the episode starts with, with I think adorable scenes with angel and Maverick showing that angel is still, this is like where his heart is. You never see him more alive in this season than when he's with Maverick and easy stops by and says, get in the truck. We're leaving. <laughs> classic easy <laughs> and, and and angel's like what are you talking about he's like we're going for a drive and that's all he knows so after everything angel's like oh shit uh he tells adelita adelita's like is everything okay he's like uh yeah yeah it's fine but he brings a gun you know uh as you do on the show and uh they go on a drive and uh what were you thinking at this point i'm curious i mean they clearly wanted you to think that things were going to come to a head between them but i i had 
I know Easy's gone down some dark paths before, but I don't I didn't really have a belief that he would harm Angel. I knew that they may have an argument and kind of have it out, but I never thought that, you know, there would ever be any kind of murder no, <laughs> or no. anything like that. Yeah, uh, I didn't I didn't he's think clearly so pointing you in that direction. Yeah, they want you to believe that that Easy is so fed up that he might just take out Angel. And the only reason he would would be obviously for the club's benefit. But right. I kept thinking back uh, when I interviewed J.D. Pardo in the interview, he says the only true love Easy has ever had is Angel mm-hmm. and that everything he does is to protect Angel. So, you know, it just it wouldn't make sense for Easy to to pull the trigger at this point. Right. So we quickly find out that what their real plan is, is to drive to a shack in the middle of the desert where uh, Happy's been living. And you guys may remember Happy as the man who murdered their their mom. 12 years ago to the day. Uh, and this is Easy's gift to Angel, which is the opportunity to kill Happy on the anniversary of their mother's death. A pretty Hooray. dark, dark gift. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it leads to a, kind of a funny interaction. Happy immediately upon seeing them says, took you long enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I, the moment he said that, I was like, that's true. Like, why didn't they kill him? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I uh, there were times where I just was like, did they kill Happy? Like last season where I was like, I just assume he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, so he's not dead and he's laying in bed and he he uh, goes to the side table. And this is a funny part. And and he's, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just going to have a smoke, my last one. And then he says, I can't believe it took you this long to grow some balls. I judged you for not doing it when you had the chance. And you just, man, it makes you miss Happy a little bit, right? Like this guy's a psychopath. For 100%. <laughs> and then Easy says to him, 12 years ago today, you set this all in motion, destroyed all of our lives. And I think that's, uh, I think that kind of says it all that as we approach the final act of the final season of Mayans, we're getting to the point where we're, we're starting to see how this all came about. And, and in Easy's mind, happy is the reason this all exists. I was just going to say it's it's just kind of like a tragic kind of mixed up thing that Easy has in his head that this is going to make things better and this big gift is going to be the thing that changes things between him and Angel but man that's definitely not it <laughs> we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, he says to to Angel in the car or the truck, he says, you know, I hope she can forgive me for what I'm for what I'm about to do. And at the moment, you think, oh, it's because he's gonna you he might hurt Angel, but really he even knows that his mom probably would be like, don't, what are you doing? Right. You know, which is where angel is at clearly, but he kind of gets forced into the thing. Yeah. So easy wants angel to shoot happy as a, as a gift. Uh, Angel's showing a bit of uh, reluctance and happy takes that as a moment to capitalize reaches, presumably for a gun. Easy shoots him like three, four times in the chest. Um, happy's holding. Well, I'll say this. There is another moment that kind of made me laugh and I, I shouldn't have laughed. 
happy easy ass happy what her final words were yeah <laughs> and he just points to his neck and goes <gasps> because he <laughs> shot her in the neck and it's so psychotic to say so that with guns yeah oh my god and like you almost had to laugh because you're like that's so messed up but <laughs> anyway easy shoots happy and then he hands the gun to, to angel and says finish it angel shoots him in the head they end up burying happy in the desert and easy says I'll, he says something to the effect of the Reyes men will only ever be killers. And yeah, it's the only thing they have to give to her. It's the only yeah. thing they're capable of. And it, it says a lot about Easy's mindset right now that this is a man who doesn't believe he's even capable of good, mm-hmm. which is a very different person than than the first two seasons when he was trying to be really good. Right. Um, yeah, he's he's totally given up on that, and he's trying to drag Angel with him. Uh, and I think I, you know, you can read into it, but I I believe that the whole point of this was to get Angel back on his side to right. stoke that fire inside of him. Um, and and it didn't. I don't think. No, clearly not. Once the you know he walks away from him at the end there, just out of frustration, and then yeah, easy. He's got to go pray. Yeah, so Easy does. He goes to the church to pray, pay his respects, and he finds that Felipe is there doing the same because obviously Felipe was married to this woman and, and everybody knows this is the day of her death. And uh, they just kind of exchange looks. No words, just... Well, I, they said all they could say, really, right? They're, they had that scene in season four where, you know, Felipe goes there with a gun and Easy puts it to his own head and says, you know, pull the trigger, show me show me that guy you used to be. Mm -hmm. So that ship has sailed, but uh, it's kind of funny that both men, because easy sees himself as a killer. He sees his dad as a killer. Both men go to the church at the same time to, to pay their respects in a way that, you know, they're, I think they're both kind of searching for forgiveness, but whatever. Yeah. They can't give it to each other. No, because they're stubborn ass men. Right. And Felipe, you know, is so he's given up so much on easy that he's turned to Miguel to try to find something <laughs> just like, whoa. <laughs> well, he hasn't just turned to Miguel. So let's talk about uh, the other story that was in this episode, which is with Adelita. Yeah. And he uh, he being Felipe has a moment with her towards the beginning because she uh, was supposed to have this day out and it was going to be just Angel and Maverick. But with Angel gone, Adelita needs somebody to babysit little cute Maverick. So she takes him to Felipe and Felipe and her are talking and, you know, Felipe is basically saying that she's a great woman and, you know, she's been good to Angel. And and she says, you know, Angel's great, like Angel's such a good person. And, you know, it's clear that she's just explaining why they're together and why it works. And she she even says to Felipe that he has a little good in him, too, right. uh, which is sweet. Shot. Yeah, it's sweet because I don't believe Felipe believes that, but it was nice to to kind of to hear that. And I, I think he respects Adelita enough to to know that she's being truthful and, and means it. So it's a really good moment. Yeah, the, I once came here to kill you and I'm glad I didn't kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's weird. Only on this show could you say something like that and you're like, oh, no, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> so absurd. <laughs> but yeah, so why is Adelita dropping off Maverick it's because she has another uh, mission where she's got to you know do her job which is picking up money collecting taxes whatever and for the cartel and this is interesting because 
so far this season, we've just seen her kind of do this stuff uh, unwillingly, but, but, you know, doing yeah, it droning on. Yeah. And we, we see her speak to a man who, or she's collecting money and he whispers to her that everybody's growing restless. And she says, just a little longer, you know, tell them a little longer. And she goes, and he goes, you know, we'll be dead by then. And she goes, don't worry. Uh, Adelita will, will be back or whatever. Yeah. Hinting that, that there's something else going on that she's got a plan. Yeah. Which surprised me. I mean, I should have known knowing her, but I was, I was surprised to see that there was actually a, a plan coming together here. Right. And, and that's good, right? Like <laughs> it's cool that, because yeah, you, you worry that maybe she's just kind of, like you said, droning on, going through the motions, living her life, looking for escape, but, but she's got a plan. We'll see what it yeah. is. Because again, it's easy to to forget that she was a rebel leader when we first met her. So mm-hmm. and she's not scared of cartels. Yeah. And even with that plan, she's kind of offered an out here. Right. Right. So uh, her story ends with her going back with the the bag of money to um, Soledad and, and the cartel. And Soledad says, you know, hey, look, I know you're not happy here. I know you want to leave. I know you don't have our best interests in mind. So do this one mission, kill this person. Uh, and she hands her an envelope with a picture in it. Kill this person by midnight tonight and you're free. And she's like, oh, okay. And so we cut to later that night and uh, she's laying there with Angel. Angel's passed out, Maverick's asleep. And we see that the image, uh, the picture that she was given was a picture of Easy. And uh, we find out that she was told that she has to kill Easy by midnight tonight. So Adelita gets up, gets her gun, uh, walks to the door, kind of looks back at her home and leaves and cut to black as the show does on cliffhangers. So what, oh, Mike, what do you think's going on here? Well, all all signs are pointing that she's going to kill Easy, but I think she's got more of a proposal for Easy. You know what I mean? I think she's smart enough to know that this could this could all work out for her, or at least maybe she's n- not smart enough to know <laughs> to hope this could all work out for her. Yeah. Um, so I think it might go that way, where she tries to make easy a part of the plan rather than, you know, the 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 death of her humanity and her out at the same time, because she has to know that if she does this, Angel's gonna eventually find out, and it's gonna ruin everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly don't believe that she's going to honestly try to kill Easy. Um, I think she realizes they both have common enemies and and that they could, like you said, work together to to eliminate the common enemy. Um mm-hmm. you know, I I have this sinking feeling in my in my my stomach that this is all leading to Miguel installing himself as the cartel leader again. Yeah, quite possibly. um and and kind of you know just you know it just stuff never changes right <laughs> and and that's such a, a depressing thing to think about but you could very well see that this this could lead to a war with the cartels uh against the mayans and the mayans killing soledad and and you know there's the power vacuum and who better than than miguel um well, maybe miguel gets popped and who better than miguel's wife oh <laughs> damn you <laughs> I don't want Emily to go down that route. <laughs> but it'd be a dark kind of fateful ending. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All that is pure speculation. I, pure I honestly, speculation. I don't know anything that's going to happen to this, uh, with this. And um, 
yeah, so so we'll see. But yeah, I I, I don't believe that that easy is uh, going to die next episode. Don't worry, faithful <laughs> listener. Uh, that would be that would be a very Elgin James Mayans thing to do. But just be like, oh, you thought this was about easy? Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. No. But you thought yeah. succession was gonna be hardcore killing its main character? We'll yeah. show you. <laughs> so yeah, that that's it for this episode. Obviously, we have we have seven, eight, nine, and ten left. So we got four more of these. And uh it all signs are pointing that these are all gonna kind of be pretty, pretty wild. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. All right, Mike, thank you for talking and 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 joining me for this. And stick around again, people, to listen to my interview with Carla Barada, um, where we go even more into Adelita and, and kind of where she's at right now. So stick around for that. Thank you. So I want to start with a kind of a strange question. I have a lot of tattoos and I've talked to a lot of tattoo artists. And a lot of them say that one of the most life-changing tattoos is a neck tattoo, because once you get one and you look in the mirror, it kind of changes your whole perception of who you are. And I'm curious, because every time you get into makeup and you get that tattoo on your neck is that Alita, uh, I wonder if it makes it so much easier for you to kind of slip into character seeing, you know, that tattoo and the scar. Yeah, totally. I feel like it was the first thing that I connected to when I was in the process of getting into Adelita's shoes because they changed um, Adelita's wardrobe a couple of times. Like before it was more like um, sexy Latina. Uh, they, they were trying to figure out what to do with the outfit, but the tattoo was always there. So for me, it's um, it was a connection from the beginning with the character. And sometimes when I, when I needed to step into that, into the feelings of Adelita, I'll just touch the tattoo and feel the you know the scar and the tattoo and it's definitely something that I appreciate as an actor to have something that you can actually see in the mirror and connect with the character not just like change your hair or your wardrobe it's something that's there and you can connect to it really deeply yeah it, well I mean the hair isn't iconic because you've changed your hair so much in the show like it is kind <laughs> of the God. one constant right yeah yeah totally yeah. So you're from Venezuela and we know that that's a country that has had some hardships over the decades. So I'm curious when you are playing a character like Adelita, who's not from Venezuela, but she grows up in uh, a really uh, harsh conditions. Did you look towards life in Venezuela uh, as any sort of inspiration for, for things to bring to Adelita? Yeah, especially at the beginning when, when, I, uh, when I auditioned for the character in Venezuela, that was like seven years ago. And there were happened like a lot of protests in Venezuela they were killing a lot of students I think a couple of days before my audition um, they killed a student in my university I went to uh, I study architecture in the in in Venezuela so I was in, in the scene I was taking uh, talking about all these kids that I was taking care of and how to um, defeat the dev the devil and all of that so for me, it was an instant connection. The feeling of you have to protect these people that doesn't have the resources to be protected. And the people from Venezuela were were struggling with that, uh, in, especially in that moment. So for me, it was really personal. From that moment, from that audition, I was like, this is amazing. That it, it, The feeling that it gave me was the same feeling that I had when I was watching all the news and and my family was there. Everyone is there still. So 
I totally, totally connected both worlds. And every time I, I, I travel to Venezuela every year and every time I'll go and I'll see all these people suffering and having to struggle to get food and to get like basic stuff like toothpaste. To toothpaste. Sorry, I'm in Colombia, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not speaking English at all. <laughs> I'm just, um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like it's all connected in Latin America. It's all connected. What what you feel in Venezuela is the same thing that you will feel here in Colombia or in Mexico, or we have that same um, wound, and that's what I wanted to to take with me with Adelita. Yeah. So. Adelita as a character has grown kind of immensely over the course of five seasons. She started, as you said, as a rebel leader, protecting young orphan children and, and taking on the cartel. And now she's a mom herself and she's protecting her child. Uh, have you been surprised at how Adelita has grown over the years? When you and, and when you started back in season one, did you have any idea she'd end up kind of as the mom? No, <laughs> I had no idea. I thought she was going to be like these rebel leader forever and she'll have like an army of kids and will like kill all these people and like free Mexico but I feel like now it's more real like you can connect with her in ways that you will not connect just seeing her being you know a leader of a rebel group because that doesn't happen a lot in real life so I feel like giving her the role of a mom it's a struggle that you can share and people can connect to more deeply. So I'm really grateful for that, for that because I had the chance to explore that, that I never had to explore as an actor before being a mom on screen. And I was being a mom myself in real life. So at the same time, so it was really interesting to see how different it was like my real life and my baby and my happy life. And then I'll go to set and have this, pain and this sorrow for a kid that they took away from her so yeah it was pretty intense and at the same time made me really grateful for the life that I have and, and the opportunity that I have to raise my kid my kids in in a healthy and in in, in, a, in a good environment yeah you you mentioned your children and I was looking at your social media and I, I know you have young children and you know I have a young child also so I know when you have a young kid, it's almost like this switch flips in your head where suddenly you watch things differently. Violence mm -hmm. feels much more difficult to stomach, especially if kids are involved. Um, what is it like being a mother and, and growing into that role in, in your personal life and then bringing that to Adelita, especially the last couple of years? It's hard. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm, I'm not a really violent person. I don't like... Um, violent movies even though I'm in a really <laughs> bloody show um but I feel like after having kids you want to protect them from all these bad things that happen in the world and then you go to set and you you cannot protect your child from all the things that are happening around you so I feel like it, it, it's it's weird because it gives me like peace because I know I, I can't protect my kids in my real life but it, it also breaks my heart because I feel like Adelita is such a big part of me and seeing her struggle and leaving it in my body and with my emotions and my feelings, it's a like a, everything gets 
confused and then I'm home and I'm crying and I'm like, but everything's fine. No, no one's going to take your kid. But yeah, it's it's hard. I feel like there's a, a, a line that you cannot separate from your life and your characters and you have to be really careful to understand and to do things to let all of those feelings go and not bring those things with you at home because it's it's a lot yeah it is so i talked with uh with clayton and and i love what angel is uh has grown over the years along with adelita um and we've seen them grow as kind of romantic partners but it always hasn't been easy right like even uh you know they've, they've come and gone in each other's lives but now they have maverick uh, that they're raising together and they're trying to be a family. So mm -hmm. what is it, do you think about Angel that makes him such a good partner for Adelita? I think they're, they're, they were both broken and in need of someone that will love them uncondition unconditionally. And I feel like that's what Angel Angel means to Adelita and that what that's what Adelita means to him because they know they have a bond and it doesn't even have to be super romantic. It's more about we can we can call it um, soulmate that you don't have to to be to have a perfect romantic relationship with a person. So I feel like it's it's kind of like a spirit animal relationship. They they're better when they're together and and they're safe. They it's like a safe space and they complement each other. And I feel like that's what what is really heartbreaking about this season that they're lying to each other and they both have like this double life and these things happening and I feel like if they will talk about it and if they will just like be honest maybe it will work like better yeah I feel like one once you start hiding things from your partner yeah it, it gets complicated so uh, I, I recently hosted a panel that Clayton was on and I asked him this question. I'm going to throw it to you too. You guys have been having to do a lot of scenes with a baby now. What's it been like having to act and do the whole serious Adelita angel thing, but then also make sure that this baby is is doing what, what he's supposed to be doing as well? It's an acting exercise for sure. <laughs> and I feel like it, it keeps you in the moment because you have to be really present on what the baby is doing and how he's going to react to it so I feel like the lines and the things that you have in your head get to like us are not the main thing in the scene so for me it's really interesting because you have to be really in the moment and sometimes as an as an actor you are just like your mind is in another place and you're trying to do the scene but then you have to be there and and, and lines have to be like on the top of your head and just trying to figure out what's happening and I feel like it, it works because it's life you know that's what happened with a baby in real life you cannot control like oh wait quiet I'm gonna say this line that's not how it works in in, in real life so I, I think it, it's interesting and it makes it makes you be more present and more in the moment yeah. So you had talked about this. I want to talk a little bit about season five for a second, because you had talked about how both Angel and Adelita are, are living, leading these double lives. And what they're doing is they're trying to protect each other from the, the horrible truth that they're both still killers. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in Adelita's case, she's tried time and time again 
to not be a killer, uh, especially in recent years with with the baby. So she always seems to kind of get stuck back in it, though. But so do you think that there's always going to be like Adelita's destined to have death kind of surround her at this point? I think so. I think sometimes you cannot run from your destiny. And when life presents you with all these scenarios and they're all the same and you you keep going back to that, you keep going back to that. I feel like it's really hard to break that and to, to step on all that darkness and get to the light. And I feel like it is possible, but for Adelita it's been, every time she she's like, okay, I'm gonna be a mom, it's gonna be fine. Then something happens and then something happens again. And I feel like when a person ha- had suffered so much, like she has been through through uh, five seasons, it's hard to make that change. And I just feel like she's re- she's just broken. She she tries because she has a baby now, but you can see the duality on especially season five where she goes and kills and she's like on a killing mode and then she goes home and she's like kind and trying to be a mom but I don't know which one is the real Adelita like she needs to make a choice about which one she's going to choose because she cannot do both right so I visited the Mayan set a couple months ago and, and I talked with Elgin about uh, kind of his hopes for season five. And one thing he said is he really wanted to lean into uh, the female characters and make like a truly feminist series. And I think Adelita is kind of at the center of that because we've we've been talking about how layered she is and how complicated she is. But have you noticed that uh, the, the feminism in Adelita's story and just in the show has kind of risen over the last few years? Yeah, I feel like especially at the beginning, it was a lot of like women power and empowerment and I don't need a man in my life, all of that, which I love. It was such an amazing um, story. And then through the season, she's been like tortured by men. Um, Everything that happened to her bad, everything bad that happens to her is because a guy made the decision so she's struggling and I feel like after she kills Linares and she gets her baby back that motherly instinct it's what for me it's what she makes her be like okay I'm gonna be this again I'm gonna try to take all my power back and she is doing all of this killing and all of that because of her family because she wants to protect Angel and and Maverick and she wants a better life so she needs the money for it so I feel like she is taking care of her family like a lion and the fact that Angel has no idea and he's like oh yeah I'm the one you know doing all these things but as as an expectator you know what's happening and all the late all the girls all the ladies in the in this in this season are the ones doing the dirty work you know and yeah I feel like it's hard I I will not say that it's a feminist show because a lot of bad things happen to all the girls and ladies in the show a lot of killing a lot of horrible things 
but I will say that it's a show that portrays the strength of female characters and it gives them a chance to have their own storyline and not relying into the storyline of a man to have a moment on screen and 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 a powerful um a powerful journey yeah so I don't know if everybody's aware of this. This was news to me, but you're married to Guillermo Garcia, who has a, a had a role on the show as, as El Bacaro. And you have a famous scene at the end of season four where you slit his throat. What was that like shooting opposite your, your partner in real life and doing such a brutal thing to them? Um, he still hides all the knife in the house. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no cutting anything. <laughs> Um, we, we knew it was going to happen from like before, like when the, when they started writing the season, LG was like, so we want you to kill him. And I was like, okay, sure. But then we had to drive together to set on that day. And it was like an hour and a half drive. And he was so mad. We were just quiet. And it was so like uncomfortable driving to set. <laughs> And then, yeah, it was it was horrible. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. And then I I didn't watch the scene. I don't want anyone in my family because <laughs> <to watch the laughs> I thought it was gonna be fun and funny, blah blah blah. But then once you do it, it's like I don't know. It was really real the moment we did it. So and I was pregnant with my second child and I was killing my husband. So it was like not the best. <laughs> <laughs> at all but you know you have to do those things it's your it's, it's job yeah wow yeah I didn't know all that but yeah that's 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 insane so um and I was also pregnant so it was like okay baby we're not doing this but we're doing it <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your kid will never never watch this scene again oh, yeah. no 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 maybe that... when they're like 18 it's gonna be funny but now no oh my god you would have to have them in therapy like right away Oh um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm, I'm going to have to either way. So. <laughs> so you're, um, this is, I believe your first American production. And what's cool about this production in particular is this is a show that has so much, uh, Latin influence, so much diversity, so much inclusion and American audiences just don't really see that on TV. Um, I know, obviously, in your earlier stuff, that's kind of you were surrounded by Latin actors and Latin productions. So what's it like to to come to America, do your first American production and have it be something that's celebrating this culture so much? It was beautiful. And I think that's what allowed me to be on the show, that it was all about the Latino culture. And I love that it's not like in your face it's not like we're a latino show we're gonna speak spanish and we're gonna say tia and abuela all the time <laughs> it was about the heart of the latino culture and about the respect and the brotherhood and the family and for me that was i haven't seen a show like that before that portrays latinos that way because usually it's more like the yeah like the the funny and trying to be too Latino, but they're not, it's just weird. So for me coming from Latin America and being in the show and being the respect paying to the Latino community, for me was something that I will always be grateful for. And the the fact that we were in TV for five years and I think most of the of the viewers were 
Americans were not like Latino Latino families, especially at the beginning. So that was even more beautiful because it's like opening your house, your you the the because if you're on a TV, you're you're opening your house to this new culture and these new people and and it's just beautiful. I, I I wish we could have more shows like that, you know? Yeah. Here's hoping that it does, you know, happen more often because it is needed. Yeah. But, uh, so uh, I want to end with this question. You, uh, as we've talked about quite a bit, Adelita's changed so much as a character. She's a rebel. She's a mom. She's still a killer, but she's a protector. As the series wraps up now and we say goodbye to the character forever, uh, how would you like Adelita to be remembered by fans? As a warrior, and I feel like it, it hurts to see her and to see her journey and the way it's gonna end, I cannot say a lot, but I want people to remember Adelita as what it could be, but because of the circumstances, she couldn't sound like that. I don't know if I yeah, if I'm saying it correctly. But I feel like that happened with a lot of people in real life that because of the circumstances they grew up in and we're, what we're, we're talking about, all the death and all the things that keep popping into her life. I feel like life is about second, third, and fourth chances. Like you should not just have one chance. And if you don't do it right, it's like, okay, we don't, you know. So I feel like when, when people see this character, I I hope they have empathy for people that are struggling with a lot of things internally and not judging people because we never know the past of those people and yeah I just want people to remember her as a warrior and someone that fought for her family and her her people and her beliefs till the end that's awesome. So thank you so much, Carla, for uh, for for doing this. Uh, I'm a big fan of the character, as I said, uh, and we're excited to see what happens. But thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs>